Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So today uh, we're going to be talking about <clears throat> Pat's purpose um, with Bree and Chelsea. And pretty much what we're going to talk about is the organization, why it was founded, who it was founded by, talk about what the whole purpose of it is. And then um, what we're going to go ahead and do is kind of just learn about Pat and his sister's um, relationship, as well as his fiance's relationship, and really just learn from them his story through their eyes, since he's not here to share it with us. So um, without further ado, uh, ladies, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. How are you? So I know this is like our first time ever meeting, So and it's not through Zoom or face-to-face, so let's uh, just try to make this happen, right? <laughs> so um so first off i kind of just want to get a quick background story um out there so the way that i met pat was we actually went to boot camp right around the same time um and he he left a little bit before i did and um he deployed i believe in 10, 2010 i deployed in 2011 and um we actually had a very close friend of ours um robert devaney and the way that I ended up meeting him again was he actually promoted um, Devaney to either, I think it was corporal or sergeant, I don't remember, but um, he was there to, to promote him. And um, that was how I ended up seeing him again. And then I kind of, kind of followed him on Instagram and stuff. And then I ended up seeing how he had, you know, a diagnosis of cancer. And then I remember reaching out to Devaney, asking like, hey, man, is there anything I can do for the family type thing? And then within days, you know, he had passed away. So I wasn't able to do anything like that. So I kind of just had it in my heart um, that part of my podcast is to just remember the people that we we remember, tell them, tell their stories through their family's eyes um, and kind of just remember them always. And also any help I can be to like a nonprofit or anything like that. So first off, Bree, um, can you just tell us kind of about your guys' relationship growing up, um, were you guys close? Just kind of give us an understanding of, you know, how the two of you related to one another. So um, growing up, there was three of us, me and the boys. Uh, Joseph is the oldest. Then Patrick was the middle child. And I was the last and the only girl. And um, Patrick and I were almost to the day 18 months apart. So we were only one grade apart in school. And we just did everything together. We were best friends. We grew up together and then once we grew up we went to parties together I mean we were just inseparable and it's funny because we didn't really look too too much alike unless we were like oh yeah we're siblings and then people were like oh yeah I can see it but um people used to think we were dating and it was literally so annoying we would get so pissed off because we would just go you know everywhere together we were best friends we were so close in age and people would be like oh is that your you know uh your boyfriend and I'd be like ew that's my fucking brother like <laughs> what <laughs> but yeah we were um we were pretty much inseparable we were super close and um we we did everything together from when we were babies okay do you have any like um when you when you think about your brother is there any like specific fond memories that you kind of dial in on is there anything that like, comes to your head immediately like is it something that you think of on a regular basis type thing um, so my brother grew when he first, uh, you know, got out there in life, he was extremely shy and, um, I just, I don't remember it, but I know it was like a huge thing in the family that I had to start pre-K when I was only two years old because he refused to go without me cause he was so shy. So I had to go and, um, 
I started pre-K at two years old so I could be with Pat and kind of help him come out of his shell. And um, I, I got him there. I totally got him there. And he, uh, he was literally one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. And we just had the same just out there sense of humor. And um, he was just so funny. And I could, I mean, I could get lost in, you know, just going on and on about him, but I would take up like 50 <laughs> podcasts. Um, okay. So do you remember at all how he told you guys about him joining the military? Like, was it like a shell shock type thing? Was it, or was it more or less like you kind of saw it coming and then how did you feel about it when he kind of broke the news to the family? So we always kind of saw it coming. Um, when we were younger, I was in fourth grade and Pat was in fifth. We lived in Staten Island, New York. Our father was on the NYPD and we actually firsthand witnessed from our school desks, the towers go down. Um, so kind of when that had happened, it was such a traumatic event. Um, and then obviously we didn't understand it because we were so young and then growing up, you know, Pat was on the track to, you know, of course, wanting to do something about it because we were born and raised there. And um, he took it personal. His father walked those streets for 20 years and protected that city. And he wanted to do something about it for, um, he was the kind of person that his life was, it just went God, family, country. He was, mm. he was a religious person. We went to a uh, Catholic school our entire lives. Um, so it wasn't really a shock for us. I didn't like it. None of us really liked it. And we had a, we have a veteran uncle who was in the Marine Corps and um, he is from the Vietnam era. So he is just so funny and so out there and um pat was always really close with him and my uncle had said you know don't pretty much don't disrespect me by joining the army or anything like that <laughs> you have to join the marines you have to like you have to go all out if you're gonna do it you're gonna do it you're gonna you know go balls to the walls and just do it and um he did he joined the marine corps and um he was in infantry and he he was okay awesome um, and do you remember at all, like how you felt, you know, with him leaving for boot camp and um, eventually ending up going overseas to Afghanistan? Like, do you remember what it felt like as a sister? Because that's something that, like, I I have two sisters and I have two brothers, and um, like I remember my brother when he first all went to Iraq and then he went to Afghanistan. Like, I remember I was I think like ten, um, and I remember feeling just so like lost like you know you were just here with me or we just spoke and now i can't talk to you every day i can't text you i can't phone calls so like you know how did you feel dealing with that you know like you guys were so inseparable you spent every day together um so much so that people thought you were dating so <laughs> what what had how did that feel from your standpoint of being you know that first three months you know how did that go when he first left for boot camp, it was just so unnatural, like, because I was just so used to him being around. And, you know, my family at that point was extremely close. And um, all of us just it felt like this huge piece of us was missing. It really was. It was it was empty. And I can remember, you know, literally counting down the days for his boot camp graduation. And he graduated boot camp 
on the day of my 17th birthday. That was his oh, graduation. Wow. And that's when you get your license in New Jersey. And I just remember him the first time he's, when we got to actually see him, he was so upset. He was like, I'm so sorry. I ruined your big day. Like, and I was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? I don't care about that. I just wanted to see you and graduate. <laughs> so is it, so he graduated bootcamp the day of your, your 17th, 17th birthday. birthday. Mm -hmm. So were you, did you get to go to the graduation? Yeah. Yeah. We went down to oh, South okay. Carolina. I was a senior in high school. So yeah, we went down, my family went, my, that same uncle went as well. And actually mm -hmm. Bobby Devaney went to Pat's oh. camp graduation. And that is what, you know, Bobby nice. joined the Marine Corps, uh, pretty much directly following that. Oh, wow. That's yep. awesome. I, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So, um, is your, your uncle, is he still with us? Yes, he is. Okay, I definitely got to meet him one of these days. Yes. But, um, okay, so, all right, now we went through boot camp. Um, and then how, pretty soon after that, he deployed to Afghanistan, correct? Yeah, I mean, he joined the Marine Corps in 2009, and he was in Afghanistan in 2010. And um, it was horrifying. And I just, I when I take myself back there, I could I could feel the pit in my stomach which is such a crazy feeling. And it's just every day watching my parents just not being able to eat, not being able to sleep and spending, you know, and we would go to the post office to send him care packages. And my dad, it didn't matter who you were. You're standing in the post office. You're going to hear about his son who's in Afghanistan and all the shit that my father was spending, was sending him. <laughs> my dad specifically got a Costco membership so he could send my brother boxes upon boxes of Pop-Tarts and Vienna sausage <laughs> and all that stuff. And, you know, it was, it was hard. I, we were scared. And you see in the movies that, you know, uh, notorious knock at the door and it was just every single day just hoping and praying to god that that wasn't gonna happen to us yeah so um so he came home from afghanistan and then that's when he met chelsea right yes okay so can you uh kind of run us through that how did you guys meet how did you fall in love um yeah. tell us a little bit about you know that whole escapade yeah actually i just want to go back from the beginning real quick yeah i was at Devaney's promotion with Pat. So I probably oh. have met you in person. <laughs> we just didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. But Pat and I met um, July 22nd, 2011. We met at a friend's wedding. Brianne and I were both in the wedding and Pat was a guest at the wedding. And um, the wedding was in Ohio. So Pat and Brianne drove about nine and a half hours to be there. And we met at the rehearsal um, at the church. And then that night we mingled a little bit at the rehearsal dinner and he asked me to be his, his beer pong partner. <laughs> and I remember I was so shy and timid and we were just killing everybody at beer pong. And I remember this so vividly. He just turns to me and that Nicki Minaj song, he just kept saying it. He's like shitted on them. That one song by Nicki Minaj. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> And then the day of the wedding, so the next day, like I said, I'm really shy and timid. So I make jokes during things. And as everybody was leaving, I went to go say bye to everyone and give them hugs. And Pat was my last hug to give. And I was like, haha, save the best for laugh, last. And then I just went, just kidding. But I really wasn't kidding. But I just wanted to say just kidding because I was really shy. Yeah. And 
I didn't know this at the time, but apparently Pat was really, really butthurt. And... I had to listen to him complain about that for nine and a half hours on the drive home. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you, Bree, like, do oh. you remember the drive at all? I remember like... he stopped on the middle of 195, slammed on the brakes and, lo- and was sl- slamming his hands on the steering wheel, telling me that he can't believe that she said that. And, and why would she say that? Because he was like, I just know she's the one like she's the one. And I was like, settle down, Casanova. Let's just get home. <laughs> um. And that's, and then, yeah, so that's kind of how it all kind of started. And then um, he went back to New Jersey for a little bit before on his, he was on his post-deployment leave. And this is also another funny story. I don't know if um, you want to edit this out, but we were on our first like Skype call mm-hmm. and <laughs> apparently Pat had a really big pimple. <laughs> <laughs> and this was our first Skype call ever. And so he was like, wanted to like be, he just wanted to be his best and like look his best. So Brian was putting makeup on him to cover up the big pimple on <laughs> his face. True. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of just really how our, how we met and how everything got started. Um, we didn't see each other until December of that year. So it was about another five and a half months, but our, we were a couple pretty much from the day that we met. And yeah, that's where our story blossomed. I think the, I think one of the best things for us was since we didn't see each other for five and a half mm-hmm. months when our relationship was really starting is that we got to connect on a, on an intellectual and emotional level versus physical. Yeah, no, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now, uh, so you guys meet, you guys date, um, how long were you guys together? So just correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yep. So he was diagnosed with cancer and then he it went away and then it came back. Yes. OK, so can you tell us a little bit about that um, from both of your views? Yeah, I mean, I'll just go on on my point of view. Okay. Um, so what he was diagnosed in 2018 in the summer of 2018 um, we, I was back in Ohio and he was in New Jersey. Um, but the recourse that I can recall is when he was first diagnosed is it, I was told by him that the VA told him that it was just tumors and they believed that they were benign. And then we were told that it was cancer and, but it wasn't like a bad cancer. It wasn't a big deal. Um, that he go, he's just going to have to do radiation. And Brian, you can totally correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but this is just what I remember from Pat. And then, so basically it was just like a very curable cancer, um, just some radiation. And then finally, when they did like ran more tests after a couple of weeks, they determined that it was a lot more aggressive and they would have to do chemotherapy and radiation. So it was just, it was definitely a huge roller coaster because, you know, he got the first, I, I mean, nobody wants to have brain tumors in their head but when you when you're being told that they're potentially benign and they believe that they're benign like you're like okay like you're you have a little bit of room to breathe and then you're told it's cancer but then they say oh it's very curable like you know you just have to do six weeks of radiation and then you're being told like oh wait it's a lot more aggressive um so yeah that it was a huge roller coaster of emotions okay and how did you how did you guys deal with that like how did you like, what did you guys do together as, like, a family? Like, how did that all work? Um, so, basically, what had happened in February of 2018, he uh, he 
was saying that his back hurt really bad. And, you know, he had always had migraines. He had really bad allergies. So ever since he was a kid, he always had migraines. But he was just saying that these ones were so different. And I remember him texting me one day. He was at a Yankees game with all of his friends. And he was like, I literally had to go lay down, like leave, get up, leave the game and go lay down in my car. And I swore up and down. He needed glasses and he was straining his eyes and he was tired. He was going to school and then working overnight as an armed guard and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, you need glasses. Like I'm telling you, Dr. Duva over here, you need fucking glasses. Mm-hmm. And, um, when he went to the VA in February of 2018, he complained about back pain. And actually, the doctor literally word for word said to my brother, everybody has back pain. My back hurts, too. They dismissed him. Um, but already at that time, he had already had the tumors on his spine. So if they just listened to him and didn't think that he was someone just trying to get money um, for a backache, I think things would have been different. But um mm-hmm. So he went for that vision test on a Monday and I remember it because that Sunday I just came home for from a cruise and so Monday night I'm sitting on my couch and he calls me and he's like so uh, they saw something behind my eye and they made me go to the East Orange one because he was originally in brick and they did an MRI and they saw something on my brain and I'm like what and he was like yeah and he just kind of went quiet and i was like do you do you need me and he was like yeah i'm scared and i was like what i never heard i've never heard him say that mm-hmm. so i fly up to east orange i'm like what the hell is going on and that's a whole nother story about the conditions of the vas just absolutely horrifying that's totally another story but okay in any event he's laying there and i could picture him he just looked at me and he was like, um, I have to go to the NYC VA because they don't have a MRI scan here. They just have CAT scans and uh, they don't, they just keep referring to them as lesions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that, how many are there? Like what? Like I was just horrified. So later that night, about two, three AM, I follow him up to the VA and um, he went in an ambulance and we went to the VA in New York and he stayed there for 11 days until we got a diagnosis of, germinoma tumors that was the first diagnosis um and pretty quickly after that diagnosis he started to go blind and he would remain blind until until he passed away oh wow it was horrible it was just horrible and so but then it, it went away they told us he had uh clear scans um they told us that, you know, they can't necessarily say remission until X mm-hmm. amount of years, but um, mm-hmm. they said all of his scans were clear and that um, the chance of this type, particular type of cancer coming back was pretty much like a, it was like a 0.5% that this cancer would come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that cancer didn't come back. He, it was a second type of cancer, but it was such a weird experience and such an undocumented, unprecedented situation, unprecedented situation that happened with Pat, mm-hmm. um, that his doctors were just floored. And, and they keep saying to us that um, this specific case of my brother is going to change the way they look at certain types of cancers and possibly and hopefully wind up 
saving kids because both of these cancers were pediatric grade cancers, which is why we, um, we wound up being able to take him to Sloan and the VA did cover it because they can't obviously treat pediatric cancers because you have to be 18 to join the military. So they don't have a pediatric oncologist or any pediatric doctors and all of his doctors and oncologists were all pediatric um, Mm -hmm. doctors. So how long after all this did, um, did Pat pass away? We found out that the cancer was back in about May of 2020 is when we were like, but they couldn't give a, give us a straight diagnosis. Um, they couldn't tell us exactly what was going on. They just knew that it was, it was back. And, um, it was, it was back with a vengeance. I mean, it just, it took everything from him. He, um, he couldn't walk. Then he couldn't talk. He couldn't see from the get go. And it just, it just destroyed him. And he, he gave it his best shot. And they like to say that, um, he didn't lose his battle. He finished it. So, um, I know this is probably like the hardest question anybody could ask, but how did you, how did the both of you feel as that was happening? Like helpless, helpless. We waited for days. He was in the hospital for 50, 52 days. And every day we were literally just waiting for him to pass away. And he just wouldn't go down. (laughs) And, um, Chelsea, you guys were supposed to get married, right? Yep. Um, he um, passed away 15 days before the day that we were supposed to get married. I mean, we had, po- I mean, we were at that point postponing the wedding because we knew the cancer was back, but we were, our original date was November 20th of 2020, and he passed away November 5th. Wow. Yeah. But um, it's, Looking back, we were, it's, you, you try to find humor, a little bit of humor in it. And we were just waiting and wondering what day he was going to go, because at that point, it's so inevitable. Mm-hmm. And um, we were trying to find if there was significance in the day. And um, one of his favorite movies was V for, is it V for Vendetta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that movie, they say, remember, remember the 5th of November. And he passed on the 5th of November. So I don't know if there if that's a coincidence. I don't. I don't know. I'm assuming you guys have realized this, but so far throughout this podcast and um, the one before this, that kind of got messed up. You guys have told me the relevance of a lot of dates. Yeah. Like your birthday being on his graduation day. Um, I this at the point when he was <laughs> in the hospital, almost about to pass away. My birthday was again October 23rd. I was like, if he fucking passes away, <laughs> I kept saying Chelsea. Chelsea, and I know. And Chelsea was like, "I just keep sitting here with him, telling him just get through this. Just you have to get through this day. Yeah. Patrick, just give me at least one more day. Do not do this to yeah. your sister." It's it was it's funny because Brianne was like, "He's gonna take this day away from me," and uh, and she was she swore she was like, "He's gonna he's gonna make this day about him," and it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it you know. Brian's birthday's on the 23rd and he passed away on the 5th. So he still had like, what, 10, 12 days, a couple weeks left in him. And um, I don't want to get too much in the nitty gritty details, but when you're in hospice, you lose, you know, just your ability to basically do anything. And he yeah. was pretty, when, 
he was at in-home hospice for 10 days and that just didn't work out. And so they transferred him back up to the palliative care at Sloan. And so he was there for, um, what was it, eight weeks or so in palliative care at Sloan. And um, he was not he was pretty much unconscious. I mean, he was a little bit conscious the first couple of days and then pretty much just unconscious for the rest. And, and like a coma. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't eat or drink. I mean, obviously when you're in palliative care and on hospice, they, you can't get flu like fluids or anything or any IV nutrition. So he didn't, wasn't eating or drinking for eight weeks and he was just hanging around. He, he literally fought until the end. Okay. And, um, if I remember correctly, you had a picture in your wedding dress on Instagram. Yep. How did, um, what, kind of just out of curiosity, I know that's probably like the worst question anybody could ask you, but how do you feel now, you know, having known him, been through all these different things, like how does, like how do you, how do you deal with that every day? Like how do you cope? How do you? I don't know. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I have a psychiatrist and a therapist that, that help and just being, just surrounding yourself with um, a good support system. I mean, Brian is probably my best support system. Um, But it's, it, it literally is the worst nightmare I could ever go through. Pat and I were together for pretty much 10 years and um, not to get into detail of our whole relationship, but the adversities that we we went through in our ten years being together, and then finally coming out on top. I I remember, you know, um, twenty nineteen after he called me in February that he was in remission. I was just like, yes, like we're finally back on track, and you know, we're making plans to spend the rest of our lives together. And then him proposing December twenty eighth of twenty nineteen. And then we're planning our wedding and we're going to um, get a house together and have children and do all of this kind of stuff. I really felt like everything that we have overcame, like this is it. This was our, I truly felt that 2020 was our year. And then I remember COVID hit and I was like, damn. But then I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm getting married this year. This is our year, no matter what happens, like this is our year. And then it just, it was just snowball. Just yeah into i mean the worst nightmare you can ever think of and it's just like thinking about this happening to pat i i i never saw this coming he was invincible in my eyes like he was Mm -hmm. so he was such a fucking badass and he i've seen him literally knock out so many people and he was you know he was like i would get into arguments with people and i would be like like my ace in the hole my like trump card was always i'm fucking calling my brother man <laughs> i'm telling i'm telling you man woman or child one two three four five o'clock in the morning if i called his ass and i was like come beat this person up he was coming <laughs> and if i had him come out there you were you better fucking leave because you were going to get your ass beat and it didn't matter how many of you there were he used to say to people he would go out and people would try to you know two or three guys he'd be like literally line up i'll beat your ass then i'll beat your ass then i'll beat your fucking ass like just line up don't jump me i'll, I'll fight you one-on-one and i'm just like you are an animal why are you like why are you so mad like <laughs> you know and he was just like oh no like i don't i like you're gonna beat my ass before you you disrespect me or or my family or you know of course chelsea and stuff and Mm -hmm. it was he was such a character and he was so much he was so larger than life and he was just 
full of life and energy and he was so funny and just fun to be around and just like a strong person and if he had something in his mind it was like he was so if he had like tunnel vision like he he finished getting his degree while he had cancer he went to school blind and sat in those classrooms blind and he got his degree wow he when he wanted to do something he always did it and I don't know if it was like him trying to protect us, but up until the very end, he just kept saying that, you know, this wasn't the end and that he was going to make it. But then there were moments of clarity when um, he would say things like, it's okay. Like, I'm not scared. And um, I was just, I remember everyone saying to him, I wish it was me, you know, like you don't deserve it. You have so much gas left in the tank and you have so much left to do and the world needs people like you like you're so smart and funny and happy and just a great person and he would just say the same thing to everyone like it's me because I could never handle it if it were you wow he I without a doubt he would do this every day for the rest of his life if it meant his loved ones never got cancer I mean, he would go through it every day, the suffering, the pain, if it meant that his family and loved ones were healthy and happy. And I can say that without a doubt. Wow. That's, um, and he, he had such a, a badass persona on the exterior, but my <laughs> God, was he the sweetest person? Seriously, the absolute sweetest person. Um, you know, I think like being his fiance and stuff, like I, I got to see a lot of that, you know, because we had, we had more of an intimate relationship, but he, I mean, he was just the sweetest person. Um, he was the first person I called when I was having a, a bad day. The first person I called if I wanted to share excitement with, I mean, he was my person and he just made you feel good and supported no matter what you did in life. And he was funny. He was so funny. I mean, I could literally sit here for an hour and list the nicknames that he came up with me for. (laughs) I mean, he had the crazy, he came up with the craziest, weirdest nicknames. Don't start, Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could literally go on for days and it was just, it was just so cute. And um, I mean, I'm sure there are times where Brian (laughs) would say that you guys were so weird because we were weird together. I mean, we brought out each other's like weirdness and quirkiness and stuff but it was just us and you know that's awesome yeah um so my next question would be if you so there's people out there who argue night and day with their siblings with their significant others um with losing someone as close as you guys have um is there any advice that you could give to them or anything that you really wish you could just say to anybody who's listening like at all just don't sweat the small stuff (laughs) you know I I never really argued with Pat um we're so like it was actually um crazy like I I could I could have read his mark I knew I used to say to him too I know you better than you know yourself but um (laughs) I just um 
I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that I always picked up the phone when he called and I always picked up his drug gas. I always gave him that $20 when he needed it. And, um, you never know when it's going to, when your life is just going to do a complete 180 and you really just like, can't, you can't take it for granted, especially your health and especially your family. Then, you know, your siblings, it's like, it's so weird. Like I thought, I pictured sitting at, you know, Pat and Chelsea's table with my kids and their kids, you know, 10 years from now, and I'll never have that. Um, so like when you're sitting there on holidays with your big family and cousins and aunts and uncles and just kind of like take it all in and just be thankful. Cause I would, I would do anything for that. Chelsea, do you have anything? I mean, pretty much the same. Um, I think we're what about eight months out and I can't say that it gets any better. I think it almost gets a, a bit harder um, once the shock wears off. Like Brianne said, don't take every, anything for granted. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job in my life, um, especially after the first time he was diagnosed to not take anything, anything for granted. Um, and to really just go out and like live life to your fullest. Um, Brian and I say, we have a saying it's WWPD. What would Patty do? Um, (laughs) and, uh, and that's what, I mean, that's exactly what he would do. He literally lived his, the life to his fullest. And I, I truly don't believe that he would look back on his life now and really have any regrets because I think he did everything that he wanted. Obviously, you know, dying at such a young age, there's so much more in life that he wanted to do. Yeah, of course. I, he I don't think he would have changed the course of his life um, or what he did. But um, also another thing, this is a really small thing that I've been doing a lot lately is I'm, I've been putting my phone down when I'm with friends or family because you look back at times when you wish you would have been more engaged and you don't have the, those times anymore. So just be present in every moment and don't dwell too much on the past or look too much to the future. Really just live your life in the present and just enjoy what you have. Wow. Um, so I have a question because I think so Julian is the one who also helped you guys start the past purpose, right? Yes. So I get the other day, I've never talked to him until just the other day, but he was telling me, I guess, that he's married to your sister. Yeah, he's married to my twin sister. So Okay. Can you tell us kind of how that happened? And I'm sure yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do another that, episode yeah. with so, him. Um, so Julian was Pat's squad leader when he was over in Afghanistan. And actually Julian is with, was with one three, but two, three needed volunteers. Um, so Julian had already done two tours. He did one in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. And then he volunteered with two, three. And I think Julian would probably say that was one of the best decisions of his life. Obviously he has a wife and two kids because of it. <laughs> um and Julian can talk more about like their relationship because they were, yeah. they definitely weren't f- best friends. They were, I mean, they were brothers. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not exactly sure verbatim what happened, but Pat 
gave Julie and my twin sister's number and the rest is pretty much history. So that's so awesome. Yeah. Like, that's so, such a small world. It really that, is. That such happens, a small world. That's yeah, so awesome. Of them had so much fun. Yeah. Um, I, everyone was so young when all this happened, uh, like early twenties and stuff. And I was always mm-hmm. like, just kind of inserted myself into the, party. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> if there's alcohol, I'll come be the fifth wheel. <laughs> I think but it never I, like felt like it never I mean you can correct me if I'm wrong no, it never no, no. it never like felt like fifth wheelish it was just a big group just like, felt like big, you belong there yeah it was just like a chaotic group <laughs> wow so um I think what I what I've gathered from this conversation and hearing these stories is that like there was a plan that none of you knew because all of these things kind of happened unanimously without even being worked on you know what i mean like you know yes you guys have lost your brother you lost your brother you you lost your fiance but he lives on through his best friend who is now your brother-in-law now they have children and you know i think you know of course we would love for him to be here but I think it's just beautiful how it kind of all worked out in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so moving on from there, um, if you can just kind of give us a brief understanding um, of what Pat's purpose is, what the purpose of, you know, it is, and just kind of, you know, discuss with us what it is you're trying to accomplish through it. Well, obviously, we want to bring awareness to it. It's not something that people are familiar with. Um, and actually, all of his specialists and doctors from Memorial Sloan Kettering agree with us, um, uh, you know, his family, that um, this is what happened to him. It, it, the cancer, the secondary cancer was uh, penioblastoma. And um, again, an extremely rare, almost always uh, fatal there's not a very good prognosis for it, but it's also extremely rare. Um, so just kind of bring awareness to the possibilities, you know, and not for all these veterans out here that are so young from like OIF and OEF. It's like, listen to your bodies, advocate for yourselves. You know, look at this story of this beautiful young man who died at 29 years old from this insane, disgusting cancer and listen to your body take it for exactly what it is and don't ever look at it and say that could never be me because I never in a million years pictured myself in this situation without my brother and we want to of course raise awareness for it assist if we can we've raised a lot of money um you know we're giving it all back into the veteran community assist in any way for you know second opinions if you only have VA insurance or if you need you're, you're going through radiation and you can't afford the travel or the lodging, whatever it is, we want to help and we want to raise awareness in Patrick's name. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything to add, Chelsea? Yeah. And just giving back and assisting. Um, so when Pat was first diagnosed and um, obviously being blind, he couldn't work. And at that time, the VA, he was only on a little bit of disability from the VA. So he really didn't have any, any income. So, I mean, just paying for little stuff, whether it's phone bill or groceries or being able to take a, take those uh, financial burdens away from other people, that's definitely something that we're looking into. I will preface this by saying that 
we filed for our 501c3 in February, and it takes about nine to 12 months to be approved by the federal government. So hopefully we'll get, we'll be able to be a fully established nonprofit by the end of the year. So that's really, really when we can start getting moving into um, being able to assist these veterans and their families. But, and then going back to, you know, advocating for your health, um, you know, I think one thing that we need to learn is that our, at least in my belief, um, your, these practitioners and physicians and stuff, they, they work for you and you have to really advocate for yourself. Um, if you don't feel like you're getting the care that you deserve, go somewhere else. And we'll, that's kind of where we can step in and help. We work with other great organizations who can help alleviate those costs about getting other treatment somewhere else. If you don't feel like you're getting the treatment that you need to, um, we can assist in maybe directing you to the best place to get help. Um, and so going back also to the burn pits and stuff, we know that there's really nothing that we can do to take back the exposure that everyone has had, but getting your, getting those checkups and those yearly checkups, um, my brother-in-law and one of also Pat's good friends that were in the military, they are experienced really bad esophageal issues. And so just constantly going in for your checkups and whatnot. So it doesn't, Oh, it doesn't arise into um, an even bigger issue such as like esophageal cancer or something like that. So just really take your health into your hands and advocate for yourself. Okay. All right. Well, um, unless there's anything else that you guys want to share, um, that's pretty much all I had for right now. Um, the next episode, just for the listeners, is going to be Julian. Um, he's going to talk about his experiences with Pat, talk about kind of like their time in Afghanistan together, also just tell his story as well, um, and also his side of, you know, what's going to happen with Pat's purpose. Um, and, you know, later on, we'll we'll talk about donations and stuff like that. And, and again, guys, I'm that's why I'm doing this podcast is to get awareness out there for different organizations like yourselves and also just hear your standpoint and your story, um, you know, about your brother's life and, you know, just kind of get that out there. Um, so I thank you guys for, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yep. And um, I thank you for, you know, honoring my brother in this way and um, we will continue to raise awareness for him and um, he really deserves it. All right. Well, yep. I'll talk to you guys soon and have a good night. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.